Palmetto Family Council has signed on to an amicus brief in the Sixth Circuit. As COVID restrictions bound across the country, is our administrative state ignoring religious liberty? And we're filling up the state house on Friday. I'm Justin Hall, and this is the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. That's right, folks. There is a lot going on as we begin the year of our Lord 2022. And since we're within the first week, I think it is still socially acceptable to wish all of you a happy new year. Before we get to our first topic, and it is a big one, we want to thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Again, we encourage you to share this with your friends and family as we begin a new year because there are new topics going on, but we have to go back in time, back to September 9th for our first topic of the day. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. My job as president is to protect all Americans. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated. Or show that was the a negative test at least once a week. United States Joseph Robinette Biden announcing his OSHA mandate back on September 9th of 2021. By the way, that full clip is going to be available in our podcast description below. I just want to mention earlier in the clip, he made note that this was a, quote, pandemic of the unvaccinated and that, quote, pandemic politics by some governors were causing unvaccinated people to get sick and die. Really quick, before we get into the main crux of the matter, we have the benefit of four months of elapsed time and a lot more data. And so we can look at a state like, say, California, and discover that in that state, the case numbers are rising due to the current structure of Omicron, but the hospitalization and death numbers are both lower now than they were on September 9th when the president declared this a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So why is this important? He's talking about the OSHA mandate, joined as always by Mitch Prosser and Dave Wilson. And Dave, Palmetto family has joined this brief that is heading to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Why is this so important and why is Palmetto family involved? Well, keep in mind, folks, as you're listening to this today, we're talking about this because the OSHA regulation went into effect. It was released November 5th. And at that particular time, there had been no time for public comment. There had been nothing that was done that would have done any level of check and balance on this federal agency. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of different things today, but as we look at this, this is why Palmetto Family, along with Texas Values and 29 other of our family policy council groups from across the United States of America came together to write a friend of the court brief for the Supreme Court to talk about the fact that this is a a flaming violation of religious liberty. Unfettered government bureaucracy will consume religious liberty. Like your dog slathers up the food that's left over after Christmas dinner. I mean, that's just the way they're going to operate. Mm-hmm. And, and you can look back historically over this and see it playing itself out. Very rarely have they ever used this emergency provision that OSHA used. It has never used this provision to do anything like what you've seen here, which is impose a nationwide vaccine mandate on 80% of employees that's supposed to be policed, not by the government, but by the employers. This is a pure 
case of kick the can down the road because Joe Biden wanted to play politics and he's using the bureaucracy of American government to be able to do this. This agency has never used this provision. OSHA's claiming to use a provision that protects employees during an emergency time. Now, I I don't believe that's within OSHA's purview. (laughs) I don't believe it's OSHA's responsibility to protect me from a pandemic or an epidemic. I, I, I don't feel like it's in their constitutional purview. Now, it is within the purview of states if they wanted to implement mandates, according to a Supreme Court precedent put forth by Jacobson versus Massachusetts. However, in this, what's really interesting, Dave and, and Mitch, is they, as you mentioned, Dave, they kick the can. Why is it, why is the number 100? What if a business has 101 employees? And, and to that end, if you have 100 employees right now in our state of living, in our state of working, odds are a lot of people still working from home. They have now made that – larger businesses are making that a very viable option for employees. So why should an employee of somebody with a hunt of at a business with 100 employees, why should this one employee have to get a vaccination if they're working from home and there's no threat to them or their coworkers? This thing that bureaucrats do. They infringe on your rights, whether they're religious rights and liberties, whether they're the right for you to uh, pursue happiness or property or the right to uh, these inalienable rights, those rights given to us by God, their ultimate purpose in many cases is to infringe on those rights. And they do it in the most strange and different ways. A hundred employees, six feet apart. Uh, We've heard a lot of different numbers, and most of those numbers just are, in in my opinion, pulled out of thin air or in a focus group or a group of intellectual, smart people. I'm using air quotes if you can't see me right now. And it affects the American people. You listening to this right now, it affects you in a great and strong way. We'll talk about that more in just a second. The big problem here is that this was put forward by a bureaucracy and a government agency. This was not put forward through congressional action. You know, the the part of our government that makes laws. Right. That's accountable. That's actually accountable to people. That's accountable to the people. OSHA, you can't name who runs OSHA. You can't name him. Right. Or her, whomever it is. You can't. And guess what? They don't answer to you. They answer to the person who put them in charge. Here's what's interesting, though. This actually, this is coming straight from the brief, by the way, which we will also make available to you. In, let me get the date, 1993, so a year before I was born, the Senate passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. Yeah. And it, quote, prohibits the federal government from taking any action that substantially burdens the exercise of religion unless that action constitutes the least restrictive means of serving a compelling government interest. I am amazed that a Republican actually, as president, signed that into – oh, wait, sorry, that was Bill Clinton who signed that into law. And Senator Barack Obama – signed it into law in Illinois in 1998 when the Supreme Court in 97 decided it was up to the states to do. So this has been largely a democratic piece of legislation. Religious liberty has been a cornerstone of American history from the very beginning. I mean, let's let's go back to class. Before history got rewritten, but and you look at the fact that you had the pilgrims coming to America. Why? So that they could have religious liberty. It is a cornerstone 
of American society, of who we are as a people. The problem that you have right now is a progressive mentality, a lot of which was brought on during the era of Woodrow Wilson, Mm -hmm. when he was president of the United States, to create the executive state. The problem that you have with executive state is this. You have a small group of people who are unaccountable, making decisions about what needs to be done. You know, the executive branch, if you, if you read our amicus brief, which of course the link will be available in the description, the executive branch rulemaking often fails to provide these types of religious exercise protections that Congress and the states consistently provide on a bipartisan basis. Why? Because the legislative process requires a period of thoughtful debate. Mm -hmm. You have time for testimony. You have time for debate going back and forth. You have compromise that has to take place, but you don't have that in an executive branch approach to creating rules and regulations. And when that happens, if a court determines that that statutory text is ambiguous, that that is used for that, there's something called Chevron deference, which is a case mm-hmm. that goes back to, to Chevron oil and the Natural Resources Defense Council, which basically says this. If the text is ambiguous, it's the agency's ability to issue its own regulation. It will stand as long as the court deems it permissible, which basically says this. The fox is creating the rules. Mm-hmm. For the hen house. Yep. And in so doing, shutting out religious liberty. In 2011, a former director of the Office of Management and Budget argued that, quote, we, quote, we need less democracy. That our current democratic process has produced, quote, too much of a good thing and making our political institutions less democratic would benefit the country. Now, this is completely juxtaposed to the founders' views. (laughs) Right. James Madison explained this, the accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive and judiciary in the same hands, whether of one, a few or many, or whether hereditary, self-appointed or elective may justly be pronounced the very definition of tyranny that from the Federalist number. So and so here's the interesting part of that. And, And as we go through, you know. Part of the the lack of protection for religious liberty, it comes from this undemocratic kind of design that the administrative state can have. You know, administrative state, Woodrow Wilson was trying to uh, uh, advocate for this, for increasing agency authority, because he said this, it, that the administrative state could then regulate without persuading, quote, a voting majority of several million heads or having to overcome, quote, unquote, meddlesome public opinion. And this is the part where we get into this mindset of people going, well, you know, it's the elite mentality that people have. Well, I can make decisions better than you can. It's, it's what you hear about all the time where you've got East Coast and Left Coast people, but people who are in the flyover states that their opinions really don't matter because the ivory tower people. And the reality is we're Americans. That's right. As, as 350, 370 million people we are under a contract with each other, which basically says this. We have freedoms and liberties based upon religious liberty, which is the foundation of everything. As a matter of fact, you know, they go back through, and if you read some of the papers that follow and the, the, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, there were some who was like, why, why do we need to put the Bill of Rights in here? Why do we need to even have a, something that spells out religious freedom 
in the Constitution in an amendment because it was naturally assumed, and I'm grateful that the First Amendment is there, mm-hmm. because it puts that limitation in writing. But the other part of it is this, and, and this is the interesting thing that has happened as we have watched this progression of vaccination mandates and things going on. Just this past week, with holiday gatherings and family gatherings just before Christmas, the White House, in a conference call with governors, says, the president says, this isn't something that can really be handled at the federal level. It really needs to be the responsibility of the states. Now, the White House Communications Office tried everything they could to reel that one back in. But once the toothpaste is out of the tube... It's there because what's happening and and if you've watched this over the last couple of weeks, again, this has all happened over the course of Christmas and New Year's. So a lot of people plug out, right? You're not Mm -hmm. tuned in the shift in the national conversation surrounding this disease and the responses to it. Yeah, as a communications person, as somebody who went to school for this, to watch the backpedaling take place from the White House comm staff and the chief of staff, which said, well, actually, here's the five-minute full quote, and that adds, no, it made it just the same. It didn't change anything about what was said. That's what's so interesting about this, guys, is that we're getting more and more information, and you're actually seeing the media, as you talk about the ivory towers, things are being said on cable news that have been being said for a year. This is the place where we begin to recognize the polarization that bureaucracy wants to create in order to maintain power in America. Go back through, read this, the, the brief that we, that we helped to, to be a part of with the Supreme Court. It says this, even as OSHA estimated that a plurality of quote-unquote vaccine-hesitant workers have a religious reason, it refused to offer any other meaningful guidance for employers or employees. As a matter of fact, it kicked the can down the road to relevant items from Title IV. Sorry. It kicked the can down to other potentially relevant federal laws like Title VII, which is stopping religious discrimination. But nowhere does OSHA lay out the rules for how this is going to go? Because guess what? It's not really in their purview. We've used a few South Carolinaisms so far in this podcast. I'm going to use another one. This is the warning that so many of us did not heed about 20 years ago, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. And the growing of scope and size of government is now going to be detriment for so many people it was well it really doesn't affect me so it's not that big of a deal the proclivity of the bureaucracy to infringe on your rights will always be there so long as the bureaucracy must feed on you to get its power i love what thomas jefferson said and i think this is the motto of so many people across those flyover states and you're probably what would be considered one of those flyover people because your opinion just doesn't matter as long as you care about individual liberty. Thomas Jefferson said, one of our founding fathers said, the government is best, which governs least. Why? Because it's people discipline themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, the motto of so many of you, and we hear you loud and clear at Palmetto Family, the motto of so many Americans right now is government, won't you just leave me 
alone. I know how to do this. I obviously, you know how to run a budget better than they do. You know how to take care of your family better than they do. And that is ultimately what we're fighting for here at Palmetto Family. What's also interesting that was in this brief and it's amazing. You start to get inundated with all this information. And once you take a step back and look at it from that 30,000 foot view, like you're flying over one of the flyover states, right? This is what's so interesting. You're talking about kicking the can down the road. This was put forward in September and by the president and then in November by OSHA. They're not requiring it now until February 9th. Supreme Court's hearing this on Friday, by the way. So Timing we'll see. is everything. Timing is everything. <laughs> so we'll see how this works out. What's interesting, employers have basically no guidance for weighing these claims of religious exemption and, and religious liberty, particularly given, quote, the ever-evolving understanding of COVID and thinly supported official policy changes. That's, again, when this was put forward in September, whether you agree with this statement or not, we were in a very different place, it seemed, than we are now. Well, here's the interesting part, because in part of what OSHA actually put out there, they acknowledged, it says, OSHA acknowledged the certainty that those who oppose the federal mandate, including religious objectors, will quit their jobs rather than submit. And the reality of this is you look and you go, OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, is basically saying, oh, well, if they don't want it, they'll just quit their jobs. And the reality of this is it, it baffles the mind to sit here and go, there are people who actually think that doing this, one, is the right thing to do and doing it this way causing someone to then quit their job would make logical sense. That that just does not compute at all. They call this an emergency temporary standard. Um, it, this is actually, I'm reading from the release from OSHA. COVID-19 was not known to exist until January 2020, and since then, nearly 745,000 people, many of them workers, yeah, have died from the disease in the U.S. alone. That's terrible. That's a high number. At the present time, workers are continuously becoming seriously ill and dying as a result of occupational exposures to COVID-19. Here's my question. Why didn't they do something about the flu or any other massive disease that is contagious? What? What? Why this one? I don't know if those were non-essential workers or if they were essential um, but that, that probably goes a long ways in explaining a lot of this. A lot of this is taking advantage of situations. It was Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff for and mayor of Chicago, chief of staff for President Obama, who quoted Saul Linsky in Rules for Radicals, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, and, there's, there's also the point here when we talk, when we get back kind of to the religious liberty side of things, we have a situation like this, but you go, okay, well, this isn't happening in South Carolina. No, it is. That's right. There was there was right here in downtown Columbia. That's right. There was a program director of a very well-known radio station in our in our city and in our state. And because of his religious views, mm -hmm. he chose to not get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. It was a requirement of his company. He applied for the religious exemption, he was denied. He was willing to work with them. He was denied. And he was fired. So we're talking about a very, and by the way, his religious views are not radical. They're held by millions of people across the country. People listening to this 
podcast. People listening to this podcast hold yeah. the same religious views that he does because yeah. he is a part of a well-known mainline denomination in our in our country and across the world. Justin, that that's the exact same thing we've heard from, you know, as we've been out in the hills and hollers crisscrossing the state. This is the same thing we've heard from people in churches and businesses and even government agencies who are in fear of losing their jobs because of denial or pocket veto, they're just going to let those religious exemptions, they're going to ignore them and let them rot on somebody's desk. They're not going to pay attention, which is the ultimate form of passive aggressivism. I'm just going to ignore what your religious exemption request is. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous because once again, there it is. We're beating the same drum. People are denying your religious liberties. And I want to make sure you understand what we're saying because you're listening to this, driving in your car, folding the laundry. You might have a lot of that after taking a break from the holidays. <laughs> um, I want you to understand what we're saying here. We are not, and I'm speaking for the other two in the room, we are not minimizing the effect of COVID-19. I will mm-hmm. say that we are putting a, a focal point on the fact, I need, we need to put more of a focal point on what COVID-19 and the lockdowns have done to our to our young people and to the children in our country. Mental we're health. not We're not minimizing COVID-19. Uh, I've had family members die after getting COVID-19. I have. I've seen it. What we're saying here is that the administrative state is taking advantage of this situation to impose rules and mandates that violate your First Amendment right to religious freedom. And if they can do it now, what's stopping them from doing it again or continuing to do it until the cows come home? Because that's what they'll do if you don't stand up and say something. Which is constitutionally, it goes back to you understand that the Tenth Amendment basically says if the powers not enumerated in this Constitution, if they're not enumerated there, the power then goes to the states or to the people. You know, in in Federalist Number 51, Madison basically explained it like this. He said, you know, this constitutional structure provides a double layer of security to the rights of people. Because it kept a tyrannical bureaucracy of an executive government from tyrannically saying what will and will not happen. Why do we vote for the House of Representatives every two years? Why do you vote for your senator every four years if it's a state senator, six years if it's federal? Because of Virginia and New Jersey compromise. And what did that actually allow us to have? It allowed us to have a bicameral house, which would help represent everyone effectively, both at a state level and at a district level. So we start looking at, we've talked about this before, what's going to happen in 22? Guesses are right now there's going to be a backlash Mm -hmm. and the leadership of at least the House of Representatives is most likely going to swing back to Republicans. Why? Because every two years, these members of the House have to come back to you and ask you to vote for them again. They have to clearly demonstrate what they've been doing, why they're effective, what they're going to be doing for you. And that form of our government within the legislative branch is your direct way of impacting what goes on at the federal level. We have members of the Senate who serve for six-year terms. So they have time to look at the bigger picture. And if you watch them, things like Build Back Better, 
gets kind of stalled. Why? Because you've got senators who are sitting there thinking longer term than, hey, listen, I've got a knee jerk, get something done right now so that I can make the people back home all happy. That is part of the political process. So, so why did Palmetto family step in and join 30 other family policy councils across the United States to put a friend of the court brief together, this amicus brief that was sent to the Supreme Court on Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Why? Because the protection of your religious liberty is a priority for this ministry. For the work that we do, it is a fundamental building block of everything that we believe in and everything that we stand for. So when we look at that, if you don't have that protected, then guess what? Everything else built on top of that can easily crumble. You have to have a strong spiritual foundation, a strong spiritual infrastructure that exists, that allows us to start building on top of that, on cultural policies, on social policies, on things that happen in our schools, things that are happening in our healthcare, things that are happening that go beyond just the core values because that foundational support has to be there. And that foundational support in the United States of America is built on religious liberty. That's why you invest in the work that we do. That's why we're doing the things that we're doing here at Palmetto Family. That's right. In fact, our staff chooses a focus every year. Last year, we were the cultural guardrails in South Carolina, keeping the forces of evil from driving everything that you and I care about off of a cliff. This year, we are, in fact, focusing on building the spiritual infrastructure here in South Carolina. We want you to get involved. There are several ways that you can do that. You can continue to invest in our work, whether that's with your time, talent, or your treasure. We certainly value any investment that you make and totally understand that you expect and deserve a return on that investment, whether it's here on this earth or for the kingdom in all of eternity. But here's another great way that you can get involved in what Palmetto Family is doing. This year, we're specifically focusing on building bridges into and inside the state house where your elected public servants and officials serve you every day. And so this coming Friday, January the 7th of 2022, no better way to spend this Friday than at 4 p.m. inside the state house with us in the state house chambers, in the House of Representatives and Senate chambers, praying for those leaders. We understand that the spiritual infrastructure in our state will ultimately be undergirded with prayer because we at Palmetto Family believe that prayer changes things. It gets the job done. It is the spiritual secret weapon, if you will, to getting things done and appealing ultimately to the throne room of God. And so if you would like to join us this coming Friday, January the 7th at 4 p.m., we would love to have you. We'll meet in the lobby and then we will divide into chambers and just so happens, we may have a special guest or two joining us this coming Friday at 4 p.m. inside the state house as we pray, we ask God, we petition him and beg him to bless our state. This is part of Proudly Pro-Life Weekend. That's it. 
in and our partnership with South Carolina Citizens for Life, they're they have a, an event going on Friday night, their annual fundraising dinner. The of all people, the Attorney General of Mississippi, who presented before the Supreme Court on the on the Dobbs case is going to be speaking on Friday night. She's going to be speaking again on Saturday. If you can't make it to the state house on Friday at four o'clock for prayer in the chambers, then by all means, please take the time to be with us on Saturday morning as we march and rally. We'll start the march at 11 o'clock there in front of the Russell House on the USC campus. The march will start at 1130. The rally will start at noon. We're typically out within an hour and a half or so bundle up maybe a little bit chilly thankfully as compared to you know the shorts that we wore this christmas anyway on that particular note we would love for you to come and as we as palmetto family we partner with other ministry organizations across the state as part of our one message group you hear us talk about this before our one message groups made up of our work that we do with South Carolina Citizens for Life, with the South Carolina Baptist Convention, with the Diocese of Charleston, with Alliance Defending Freedom, Concerned Women for America, the Crisis Pregnancy Centers, the Christian Chamber of Commerce. There are many groups that are falling under that umbrella of one message. We're there to present one message and one front. As a matter of fact, we'd love to have you also come back to the State House. On Wednesday, January 12th at 10 o'clock, as we hold a press conference and outline the key initiatives that we want to see passed by a Republican legislature this legislative session. They're 18 weeks of the legislature. It is time for them to know and understand that when we elect a majority, we expect a majority to start passing majority opinion laws. That's right. And that's a vitally important part of your involvement in what it is that we're doing. We've got so many other ways that we want you to get involved in over the next coming weeks and months. You're going to hear several of those things, including how your pastor can get involved. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, how you can get involved at the state house every day during the legislative session. More on that in the days and weeks to come. So join us this coming Friday at 4 p.m. in the State House. Justin's going to post a link to that on the in the notes section of this podcast. Go to sclife.org if you want more information about the dinner coming up on Friday night or the march on Saturday. We definitely want you to join us for Proudly Pro-Life Weekend as we celebrate that here in South Carolina, we are a pro-life state, not just pro-birth, pro-life from the womb to the tomb. We told you in our last podcast of 2021 that 2022 was going to be a phenomenal year, and it starts out quickly. Obviously, joining this Friend of the Court brief, we have the Proudly Pro-Life Weekend coming up. That starts on Friday with praying in the chambers, the dinner that night, the march on Saturday. You're going to want to be a part of both of those events. Please make it out to it. The 12th, we have our press conference to start the legislative session. And then, by the way, just a heads up, keep your eyes on Palmetto Family. We will be on the ground in Washington again for the March for Life. That comes up on the weekend of January the 21st. You're going to want to be a part of anything and everything that we've got going on at Palmetto Family. As a matter of fact, make sure you connect with us, whether it is our email blast. You can uh, sign up for that at palmettofamily.org. Follow what we're doing on Facebook. Follow what we're also doing on our app. You can download that app from both the Apple Store as well as the Google Play. That would be the Palmetto Family Council app. 
There you'll also be able to watch some great new series that we're putting out on our video channels, which you can also get on your Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon TV. The Recidivism series that we did a five-part series on the impact that the gospel has in changing what's going on in the lives of our inmates in South Carolina's Department of Corrections. It's a phenomenal piece. You can catch that only right now on the Palmetto Family Council app. So we hope that you download that, get involved in all that we're doing. We appreciate everything that you do, but most importantly, we appreciate your prayers because we cannot do that without you. Now, there are a lot of people who will say that sort of thing and go, yeah, that's a great little churchy answer. Mm-mm. Y'all, Yeah. here's the reality. Every day that we walk in here, it's spiritual warfare. This is part of the job. It's a tough part of the job because you never know from what angle we're going to get hit tomorrow. That's why your prayers for us are so important, and we value those. So again, thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Absolutely. And you can join us again on Friday for the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, our Friday edition. We will talk to you then.